greet you in Jesus' name this morning. We sang, <clears throat> We thank thee, Lord, for this fair earth, for glittering sky, the silver sea, for all their beauty, all their worth, their light and glory comes from thee. Thine are the flowers that clothe the ground, the trees that wave their arms above, the hills that gird our dwellings round, as thou dost gird thine own with love. Yet teach us still how far more fair, more glorious, Father, in thy sight is one pure deed, one holy prayer, one heart that owns thy spirit's might. So while we gaze with thoughtful eye on all the gifts thy love has given, Help us in thee to live and die, by thee to rise from earth to heaven. That's what we sang this morning. This is Thanksgiving week. As I pondered Thanksgiving week, and I pondered... the Christian and thanksgiving. <clears throat> How dramatically different thanksgiving is for the Christian than for the non-Christian. To not be a Christian whether we admit it or not, the fact is that we have replaced God with ourselves. We take the throne of our heart for the Christian, God is on that throne. For the non-Christian, himself is on that throne. Okay? So, for the non-Christian, life is about me. So it starts with me. Every, everything around me is about me. It's how it's going to affect me, how it's me, 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 me. Because I'm on the throne here, see? Because I'm not allowed God on the throne. I'm on the throne, so this is all, I'm the king of this whole, this whole ordeal here that's going on. And so I'm here to take care of that, protect it, to uh, make sure it's uh, happy and all this stuff. And, and so I have, I have me, you know, I, I'm in charge here, so... So it starts with me and ends in hell. 
Christian, it starts with God and ends with God. Right? How dramatically different our perspective must be and will be if we are truly a Christian. I'm not talking about a professing Christian. I'm talking about a real, genuine Christian. My life begins with God. I know that. My God, my life revolves around God. I know that. My life exists because of God. I know that. And my life ends with God. And I'm looking forward to that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 1. I would propose to us this morning that true thanksgiving must begin and end with God. It must begin and end with God. And that's what the songwriter said. We have the hills, we have the flowers, we have the, the trees waving their hands, and we have all these things. But, folks, when it comes right down to it, the things that make the difference is the soul, the person that is real with God. That holy deed, that holy prayer, all those things. And so while we do look around, we understand that these are small things. They're trivial things. Those aren't the things that's going to really make us happy. They may make us comfortable, they may make us a lot of things, but it isn't, it isn't where it starts, it isn't where it ends. And in Romans 1, it talks about a group of people that refuse to recognize that. And we'll just kind of break in at verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul said it all begins with God, it all ends with God. And I'm not ashamed of it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the now notice this, change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made unto, like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves 
who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And it says what the results of that were. And you can go down through there and it is not pretty. It is not pretty. What all this comes out, out of the simple fact that as they know God, they did not honor him and they weren't thankful for who God was and what he do, he's doing. In verse 28, and you just break in here again, in the middle of this rotten description here, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God then gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient, and he keeps on going down in another whole list of rotten things that people do. They take God... They twist him, they twist him into a deformed entity of some sort. They reject his authority. They become perverse, twisted in their thinking. And because of that, a whole list of horrible things happen in their life. Now, where did it all start? With this issue of God. Right? Brother Dwight very ably reminded of us of that last Sunday. You must be born again. Brother Arnie has said, and I've repeated multiple times, and I hope I never forget it. People say the bottom line is where the bottom line is if you are born again. And Brother Arnie said, that is not true. It is the top line. That's where you start. Being born again is not the bottom line, it's the stop. It's, it's the top line. And as we are born again, that influences everything in our life from there on down, including Thanksgiving. How can you be thankful to a God you've twisted into some perverted whatever to suit your own personal fancy? How can you really be thankful for that? People... I've heard the statement said that this person was a self-made man and they worshiped, and he worshipped his own maker. He worshipped his maker. Well, in other words, he worshipped himself. I, I got myself here, I, you know, and I, I worship whatever. I would like this morning to take us on a brief journey of things that will truly make us thankful. At least it has me. You see, I said in my study, and I try to envision, I try to envision, I see, I, I see on the news lines of people 
fleeing from their country because of violence, moms, dads, little children. They're all carrying a bag or a box. Today, today, right now, today, thousands upon thousands people with their only personal possessions, only earthly goods, in a bag or in a box, fleeing from their life, fleeing for their life. If I was in that line next Thursday. Would I? Could I? Be painful. Folks, this is life on planet Earth today for thousands of people. If not, almost millions. If I laid my wife to rest, there was a funeral last week. She passed away. Would I have anything left? you think? Brothers and sisters this morning, our gratitude must begin and end in God. Turn with me to Ezekiel 1. I have, I think, six things this morning here that we should be thankful for. Things that I should be thankful for. The first one is, I should be thankful that my God is incomprehensible. Now let me ask you this morning, how much percentage of God do you think this morning that you understand? You can comprehend. What percentage of God can you comprehend? <clears throat> 50? Yeah. 40? 30? Come on, be brave. You want to put your hand up. 30? 20%? 10%? 5%? 
5%. We got one brave person. Half a percent. Well, then you're brave. Half a percent. How about a quarter of a percent? Ezekiel 1.13. Ezekiel saw something here, and notice what is happening. I can't go into a lot of detail here, but there was things with faces and wheels, and wheels were turned inside wheels, and all this stuff, and that's not necessarily the point this morning. The point is how he described all this. He starts in verse 13, and he says, As for the likeness, notice this, he doesn't say as for the living creatures. He says for the likeness of the living creatures. The likeness of... Uh, where did I say I'm starting here? Uh, 13, pardon me. Their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures and the fire was bright and out of the fire came forth lightning. Now he's still using, he's kind of a little, uh, he's starting to grab for words here a little bit, but he's still using some solid ones like lightning and, and, and kind of like this, and, and but he goes into the appearance of like, and then he, let's go to uh, verse 26. Now he's getting closer and closer to the throne, and look, look what his speech is starting to do. Verse 26, and above the firmament, firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. It's kind of like the uh, you would kind of see and, and he's starting to grab for words you'll notice that and I saw as the color of amber the appearance of his of fire round about within it from the appearance of his loins even upward and from the appearance of his loins even downward. Notice the appearance of an appearance and appearance, whatever. And I saw as that as it were the appearance of fire and it had the brightness round about as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell down upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Brothers and sisters, this morning, I'm glad, and I am thankful, and I hope we can grasp a degree of thanksgiving that I serve a God that is absolutely, with the bravest estimation of anybody at Prairie Church, a half a percent. Thank you, Lynn, for being brave. A half a percent. Lynn can stretch his imagination as far as he can, his comprehension of God. He only gets a half a percent, and we don't even, we're not even brave enough to put our hands up for a quarter. God is impossible for the human mind to perceive impossible for the human language to describe. Our thoughts fail. Our reasons fail. Our... 
comprehension fails. And then we say, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 2.6. Up to 9. And then we say, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for him that love him. We say, you know, we can stretch our minds and we can do all this, and, and we still don't have a clue. And we stop right there. Could someone read loud and clear the following verse? What does it say? So how deep can your thanksgiving get today? We say God is so big, I, we can't even start to describe Him. We can't, we can't get wrap our minds around Him. We use that term. And, you know... But guess what? Guess what? Our reason fails, our comprehension fails, our language fails, but the Holy Spirit don't fail. Can never fail. Now I'm not standing up here this morning implying that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us everything that God is and we're going to be able to comprehend Him. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. As a Christian... Our acquaintance with God transcends language, it transcends comprehension, it transcends reason, because it is spirit relating to spirit. How about that for a gift from God? But notice carnal thanksgiving in verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I'm glad that I serve an incomprehensible God. But I'm also glad that the Holy Spirit teaches me things about God that I can't even relate to you. It would be impossible for me to relate to you. Number two, I'm thankful that God is self-existent and uncreated. 
John 1. What does John 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Pardon me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, yes, and the Word was God. It's speaking of Jesus. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Colossians 1. Let's see what Paul says about this. Colossians 1.12 Notice Thanksgiving. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, notice this, that are in heaven, okay, look up, and that are on earth, look around, all right, visible, what you can see, now we're going over the edge here, invisible, now can tell me, can anybody here tell me how much that God created that is invisible? Pardon? <laughs> How much is there around us that we can't see? See, now, now if I can't see it, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that it exists. But he created everything invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by him and for him, and he is what? Before all things. And by him all things continue to be. In other words, if God removed himself from the world like that, I mean it would be over. If God released the atoms in this microphone, it would level this church. And he's the head of the body, the church. Now notice, get, get a hold of this. This is who we're following. We are the apple of his eye. 
He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And we could go on and on. This sermon is not going to get over. I'm so, I, I don't think so. I'm only on point two here. <clears throat> Let's turn to Hebrews 1. <clears throat> God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake and passed by the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And there again, we can keep on going. So how do you describe this? How do you describe this? You know what God did? Moses said, how am I supposed to tell, you, tell these people who's sending me? How, how, how do I describe all that? How, how do I get this into their thinking? And God says, well, tell them, I am that I am has sent you. I am, I am. That's not even a full sentence. I am, I am, what? Now we just said that we may be able to perceive one half of one percent of what God is. He said, I am a sentence. That is so overwhelming, yet so comforting. I am what? I am what you need today. I am your strength if you need strength. I am your comfort if you need comfort. I am your source of mercy if you sin. I am, I am. Well, whatever you need as a Christian, God is going to provide it. However, if you aren't a Christian, brothers and sisters, we're on our own. Now, how scary is that? Number three, I'm glad that God dwells in eternity. Turn with me to Psalm 90. I am thankful God dwells in eternity. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Brothers and sisters, from infinity past to infinity future, God is. Now 
Now, can you wrap your mind around that? So, if God, if 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 God is infinity to us, and He's here today, and God's in infinity in the future, guess what? He can be all three simultaneously. God has already lived with you all your past days. He is with you now. He has already lived all with you all the days of your future. And he's doing it all at the same time. From everlasting to everlasting. Now, how long do you think the world's been here in relation to infinity past and infinity future? How long, how long have we been here? If you had a roll of paper that went from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, and you got the smallest pen, the finest point of pen, and you made the smallest dot, on that piece of paper. Would that be an accurate representation? And that dot represented the amount of years that the Earth had existed. Would that be an accurate representation? So would it be 50% of a dot? <laughs> Lynn's not going to speak up again. There. <laughs> 2% of a dot? 8th of 1%? 1,000th of a 1%? That's right. And he, he used the illustration of a, of a flower. It, it's up in the spring, down in the fall. That's the way we are. Now you compare 80 years to one year, up comes the flower, down goes the flower. When I get the incomprehensible... I, I begin to grasp the one thousandth of one percent of one dot of infinity this way, infinity that way, then I understand how short of a time I have to get done what God wants me to get done. I don't have time to fool around watching comedy on, on the internet. I don't have time to fool around uh, trying to remember all the last jokes that I heard. I don't have time for all this foolishness. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days because I don't, have, I, don't have, I don't have any time. Teach us to number our days so that we can apply our heart to wisdom so this little bit of a speck and I want you to bless me with your mercy 
And I want to be glad and rejoice in you all the days of my life. See, eternity past, eternity future, eternity overall clarifies my human frailty. It shocks me with my lack of time. It brings me to repentance. And it makes me call on God, out on God for His blessing for this little bit of whatever I'm doing here becomes meaningful to Him. I'm also glad that God is a God and I'm thankful that God is a God without limit. Okay, a little uh, participation from the audience. How do you get, how do we gauge things in life? First illustration, a gallon. Okay, how else do we gauge things? Come on. Pints. Pardon? Pints. Pints? Torque. What did you say? Torque. Torque, okay. Horsepower. What? Okay. Minute. Minute. All these things. Inches. Oh. Miles per hour. Yeah. Just uh, you can have all of them. You know, we, we we have we have something that we can look at and say, well, that's a foot long. And you know, and, and we can argue. Well, so how long was it? Well, it's about a foot long. That ain't a foot long. People say, well, it was a foot long. That's not a foot long. Well, fishermen have problems with this, you know. The fish was 14 inches long, you know, and whatever. None of this applies to God. You cannot, I cannot take anything, pint, foot, torque, Horsepower, mouse per hour. It, it don't it don't work. It falls down. You can't do that with God. Romans, oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. You can't hook inches onto, you can't hook torque on, you can't hook all these things to it. It is, it is without limit. Infinity. God knows everything. I mean, he... he Take the gift of Jesus Christ, God's gift of Jesus Christ to mankind and try to put some kind of a measurement on that. Try to calculate that in your mind. I've often marveled how could God take one third of the Trinity and pack it into a baby? How could he do it? Why didn't it explode? I mean, that's gross. But how could he do it? That 
was God's gift to man without limit. Brother Dwight said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now we're back to the everlasting again. Without limit. God's love was so without limit that he could save a wretch like Dennis Martin. That's how so much without limit it was. But then, turn around and listen. What kind of limitations do you have? Can you get to here in California in 30 seconds? Well, you say, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not Goliath. I can't lift 1,400 pounds. I mean, I've got my limits. Now let's think about all the limits that we have. As human, human limitations are unlimited, all right? I, I can do so very little in relation that could possibly be done. I can't kick. The orbiter into space, it takes five engines or whatever, and however many thousand pounds of force that this thing's locked down, and they put these engines into full bore while it's locked down, they go boom like that, and this thing starts up balance and it goes you know, into the sky. And, and that's supposed to be great. Oh, we put a man on the moon, we get the man in an orbiter, we're going to send somebody to Mars or whatever. Well, why did we send him to Jupiter? Well, come on now, we got our limits. I am extremely thankful this morning that I can take all my limitations to a God who is without limit. God, the Bible terms, God Almighty. Now what does Almighty mean? It means all might. I looked this up in, the, in my... I did a search. God Almighty. You know where... Let me ask you something. Where everything's going wrong, people's getting sick and you, and you lose money and all this kind of... You feel like God Almighty is like, really here? No, we, we say, oh, where's God? You know what book in the Bible you find God Almighty, of, I'm guessing at least three to four more times than in any other book. And maybe more than that, I didn't even count it. It is in the book of Job. Get that concept. God Almighty. Over and over and over and over.
limitations? Well, he was, he was facing some serious limitations. God Almighty. The Bible calls him El Shaddai, which is the poorer fourth. The poorer fourth. I am glad, I am thankful that I serve a God that is limitless. I'm also thankful that I serve a God that never changes. Malachi 3.6 I am the Lord, I change not. God's view of sin never changes. Never, and his attitude toward the sinner never changes. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Resting in a God who never changes. Now what would it be like in contrast if you and I couldn't change? Now think about that. If you and I could not change. Now there will be a day coming where we will not change. We will be, as Christians, be changed into the image of Jesus Christ in heaven. Those that are damned to hell will be there. They cannot change it themselves. We will not be able to change ourselves as God's people in heaven. But just think, right now, if you could not change, how would that affect what's happening here today? Well, first of all, this would be, uh, it wouldn't be a Christian church. And likely none of us would be here. And probably the building wouldn't be here. So uh, maybe it'd still be a hayfield. I'm not sure what it would be. But <clears throat> salvation is based on change. God in his mercy allowed us, God as an unchanging God, in his mercy, extended to us the ability to change. That was rooted in his decision to send Christ to a sinful world before the world even existed.
Second Corinthians <clears throat> three. Verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. All future spiritual growth, as we view Christ as in a mirror, and we compare ourselves to Him, all that future growth, all what you will attain as God, one of God's children, is rooted and blessed by the ability to change. And that in itself is rooted in a God who cannot. And I am thankful for that this morning. I am extremely thankful that my future, your future, the future of Prairie Church, the future of the success of Prairie Church is rooted in the fact that we can grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Ah. Last of all, I might get through it after all. Last of all, I am thankful that God knows everything. Isaiah 40. Verse 9, O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. This morning we're trying to behold our God. That's what he's saying. Behold, look, watch, analyze. The Lord our God will come with strong hand and his arm shall rule with him. Behold. His reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. I love this verse. He shall gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Verse 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And meted out heavens with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord, or being His counselor, hath taught Him? With whom took He counsel, and who instructed Him and taught Him in the path of judgment, and taught Him knowledge, and showed Him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket, and as counted as small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles as a very little thing. And I'm sorry, I was using the illustration here this morning. I was going to get a balance out of the schoolroom. 
and get something and weigh it out. And before I did that, I was going to say, well, maybe we better take care of the ducks. So we get an accurate measurement here. So we go, oh, sorry, that was United States and Canada and Brazil and Russia. Oh, went out with that little. Verse 18, to whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Can you get some kind of an image to, to hold up to all this? Someone has said, and I quote, God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters. All mind and every mind. All spirit and all spirits. All being and every being. Notice this, instantly and effortlessly. All creaturehood and all creatures every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all, get, it, get this, all causes, what made everything do what it did, not just what happened, but everything that made all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, Motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. Instantly and effortlessly. Doesn't even have to try to think. It is there. Now, with all that information, and with the fact that God knows all my past days, he knows my day to day, and he knows he's already lived all my future days with me. All that eternity, all that space of time, and all that information instantly and effortlessly. I thank God.
that I can place my life into his hands. I'm going to contract contrast just one question in the end to put it all in perspective. Does it make sense?